Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. You're listening to FP Interviews. In-depth conversations with interesting people. Footy Prime, your almost daily footy fix. Oi, the boys on Footy Prime on occasion are known to use vulgarities and frankly appalling language. And sometimes tales are quite adult in nature. So keep the volume down if there are kiddies around. And thank you for listening. Hello, football fans. Welcome to Footy Prime Interview. Sharman here, Brennan, Forrest and Dunlop. Wong is lurking somewhere in the weeds as per usual. But given that Rangers are into the Europa League final on Wednesday and Scotland have Andy Robinson in the Champions League final coming up, we figured we should go all in on Scotland this week. Our guest is well known to most of you, not because of his 18-year career in English football or his 40-odd matches for TFC or even his 12 caps of Scotland, but because he's the true talent behind Luke Warman on TSN soccer coverage. Stephen Caldwell, everyone. Stevie, welcome to the show, mate. How's it going? Doing well, Shams. Thanks for having me. It's nice to be on with you guys. I don't get to, I get to see you quite often, but don't get to be on any kind of show we use, fellas. So I'm, I'm really excited about this. And any excuse to, to rip on Wellman, really, you know, we'll take full advantage <laughs> of that. So, yeah. so big week, Stevie, for Scottish football. You're, you're a Sterling boy. Which side of the divide were you raised on? I was raised on the Celtic side, it has to be said. Uh, my, my mother's family were all big Celtic fans and they used to go to the games, my, uh, my granddad back in the day. But when I was... A young lad. It was more my uncles, my my mum's brothers, uh, my uncle Thomas, my uncle John, used to run buses to Celtic games. So I was very much Celtic. Um, and then when I kind of became half decent at football, and that became serious, my dad, who was the Rangers side, but a bit more of a sports guy and not quite a kind of fan, he used to say, you know, if you're going to play the game, you can't support a team. So I kind of mellowed out a little bit then, played a lot of my youth career with Rangers. And uh, yeah, I'm still definitely a Celtic guy, but I want to see both Scottish teams or all the Scottish football do well. So I'm uh, I'm really excited for this game. I've got a lot of pals, as you'd imagine, who are big Rangers fans. So uh, they are, a couple of them are actually on the way to Seville. They were leaving this morning and then they were on the group chat with their, their carryouts, their cans of beer and... Uh, really ready for what's going to be a wild couple of days, I would think. Stevie, you have to sort of explain as well to some of the listeners that uh, the general general consensus is that Celtic fans are not going to be cheering for Rangers in this final. <laughs> is that correct? That's absolutely correct. There's no way that any genuine 
and Celtic fan is going to be cheering for no way. But I, like I said, I still consider myself a Celtic fan, but pretty much a neutral. And and most uh, with most teams, maybe only Scottish national teams are one team that I'd be somewhat biased with. So I I am cheering for Rangers. I do think Rangers are going to do it as well. Uh, I think they're uh, they've got something going, and I know they were in the UEFA Cup, maybe it was called back then. I don't know if it was Europa League, but they were in that a few years back in Manchester. Owain, something like that. Owain, I think, yeah. Yeah, I I was in Manchester then. I lived in Manchester, so I kind of saw the fans that were in the city and my mates were down that time as well. And, you know, I know it was a much more difficult final, but I think think they're going to win this one. So it was your buddies that destroyed the city centre? That that was a big deal. They manned about 200 other thousand uh, Rangers louts. <laughs> they did take over and they had their hearts broken by Andre Arshavin and Zenit St. Petersburg. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they were yeah, up against I remember it, that as well. They were up against it, but I think this one they've got a, a fair chance. Yeah, I mean, it's obviously a big deal, I suppose, for Scottish football, right? Given what's happened in, in the last 10, 20 years, right? It's been a, quite, quite a decline. Do you, do you think it is a big deal in Scotland outside of the whole Celtic side of things? Are, are, is Scottish football in general watching this with, with bated breath? Oh, yeah, it's, it's enormous for Scottish football. I do think that if, well, to get an incredible achievement, when you consider how the money's kind of dropped out of Scottish football and um, years gone by when you had your, your Larsons and Suttons and, uh, you know, um, Loudrop and Gascoigne and these guys were signing for... Celtic Rangers, not like that these days, but I do think they've both done a great job of creating really good teams, uh, some great recruitment there in terms of people that they brought in from Europe or or from uh, you know reserve teams in England and in different places. I, I think they've got two great teams. I think they've they've got a real identity. When you think of Rangers, you know the way that they they, they won the league last year was incredible, and then they've been up against it in the league this year, but they've found their best form in Europe and they've been really positive and front foot and, uh, you know, high press, kind of taking the game to the teams that they're playing against and some of the, the, the teams that they've beat so far have been been incredible. The, the win against Dortmund obviously stands out. But, um, yeah, it's huge charms. It's, if they can go and win this thing, it'll be one of the greatest achievements, I would say, in a long time. You know, it's, it's pretty incredible. Stevie, what, what do you think's so special about this team that we haven't seen with many Scottish teams over the last number of years? What what is it that they that they that they have? Yeah, uh, spirit, Jimmy. You know, we we know that what that, how far that can get you, team spirit and culture and whatever they call it these days. But just that togetherness when they hit their tough moments, they find a way to galvanise. You know. Um, a team who watched the last game against Leipzig at Ibrox and it was just incredible. There was moments in that second half where it was like the Alamo, they could not get out, but they just survived the big moments. And then also, I think they have a great deal of talent. I mean, you forget that I've been missing Morelos for a few games now and, you know, he is their, their, their number nine and they'll be finding a way to do it with Aribo as a false nine and Roof's played some minutes and uh, different personnel, but some real talent up top. Ryan Kent's one that I think uh, you know, is, is very talented and um, that Mexican spirit, talent, grit, determination, a wee bit of experience, I think they've got a fantastic balance with the squad. 
It's always going to be a challenge, isn't it, Stevie, with the Scottish football, Um, you know, financially when the Premier League is such a juggernaut just south of the the border and, uh, you know, your two massive clubs up in in Glasgow, especially, that uh, just don't live in that same world, unfortunately, as big as they are financially, it's just a world apart. Yeah, yeah, and it's a shame because... The, the size of the clubs mean that they, they could be competing. Obviously, it's the revenue generated between the English play, Premier League, even the English Championship, compared to SPFL is just vastly different. So um, it's it's tough. It's, it's going to be helped, I think, with, um, you know, definite group stage uh, for Celtic, I believe, um, and then Rangers. There's another team, you know, for Scotland that can qualify for Champions League. That's a, a big revenue stream for Scottish football, of course. Um, mm-hmm. But it's a challenge. Like, what are they? What are they supposed to do? They're getting fifty, sixty thousand every single game, but the the TV money and the revenue is just not quite there. So it's changed the way that they've approached it. And like I said, I do think the recruitment. You think about some of the players that both the clubs have signed in the last decade, probably or even longer, maybe twenty years. Van Dijk stands out, of course, is one that Celtic pulled over for, for Dutch football and we all know how good he is now and what he went for to Liverpool. So uh, they have to be a little bit more clever and find the right players at the right age, play for a couple of years and then hopefully sell them on for, for big numbers. You look at you look at this team now as well, the success that they had winning the league, now they're getting into the final. If they win it, it'd be interesting to see, can they keep this squad together? Because I'd imagine now there'd be some big clubs having a look at some of these players. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, where do we start? There's there's a whole host of them that I think could could move uh, b- back to England or into Europe somewhere. You know, Morelos is the one that always gets mentioned. I think if he lost a, a, a stone or two, he might be playing at a higher level. He's a bit heavy for yeah. me, but he's an outstanding player. Uh, and he's a bit crazy, isn't he? So maybe his temperament would let him down. But I like Aribo. I, I do think he's a talented player, Kent. Yeah. He could go back to England. He could play Kamara, someone that I've always admired. And and then you have that that mix, that blend of uh, players who have delivered. Scott Airfield, as we know in Canada, is getting on a bit, but still comes on and or, or starts and, and puts in the uh, the performances. And then you have uh, the lad Kent and Scott. Uh, sorry, the the other lad in the midfield, forgetting his name at the moment. But Scottish international top player as well, uh, Ryan Jack. Sorry, he's. He's one that I think is one of the unsung heroes. Davis might be another one who's getting on in years who just kind of gel the, the squad together. Like they bring that experience and that that uh, sort of game management to, to the team that I think makes them so effective. Is it still Gerard's team? Or do you think Gio Van Broncos now has established himself as, as you know, I am now the gaffer. It's, it's my group. I have formed this group and he should get all the accolades. Uh, I think it's still Gerard's team charms. I do feel that there's still his footprint there. Um, you know, I don't want to take anything away from Giovanni Van Bronckhurst. He's obviously been a tremendous player and, and, and got a great knowledge of the game. And I do think slowly but surely his identity will come in more. But what the work that Gerard did with that group was really special. You know, the, the tactics, the way they played suited the players, they were uh, defensively always really solid and then they found a way, you know, kind of getting the combinations of the best players at the right time. So I, I still see a lot of his style on the team. Um, 
maybe a little bit of that possession-based football is coming in a bit more from Giovanni Van Bronckers. But the best performances in Europe for me, they very much look like Stevie Gerrard's Rangers. It's got to say a lot, though, about the type of manager he is just in the room. You've all played for teams that have changed managers mid-season, and I'm sure that the room goes through dips, and this may have as well. But, uh, yeah, it, it looks like his, his team on the pitch, but it, it seems like they're they're such a unit. And, you know, he must be having some pretty good team talks because they've had some pretty spirited second halves to uh, to come back to get to this point. Yeah, definitely. He's well-respected. He's obviously a Rangers legend and uh, and someone who played at the highest levels of the game. So... That helps. He, he looks like he's a decent fella as well. And I think it takes a special kind of man to come in and not try and put your stamp on too quickly. I do think that the best managers transition a little bit slowly. They keep the good things from the last manager and they try and just make some tweaks. So uh, I think that takes a special kind of confidence and, and assuredness to, 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 to be like that. So I give him credit for that. Uh, obviously, it never quite worked out in the league, but this campaign has been been so special and yeah you always want to win your domestic league but at the end of the year if if Rangers have lost it in the league by a few points and they've won the the Europa League it'll be never forgotten as, as a season of success for uh for that football club with such a great history do you, do you think it's a good point is just getting to the final in a European competition one of the top two bigger than, than winning the Premier League? I mean, obviously, perhaps if, if Rangers hadn't have won last year and Celtic was still dominating, it would be a little bit different. But obviously, they don't want to see the boys, you know, get back to the top of the heap, but getting this far, I mean, that's a huge accomplishment. Do you think it's bigger than, than had they d- defended their crown? Um, winning it's bigger for me. Winning it for sure. I, I think getting to the final is is a great achievement, but I think they have to win it. I think they have to go the full way. And if they win it, absolutely. I think it's bigger than anything to, you know, domestic Scottish football in God knows how long. A long, long time. It's just pretty incredible. Some of the teams they've faced and the strength of that competition, the previous winners that we see, I know we always much maligned the Europa League and everyone wants to say it's nothing like the Champions League, but the winners every year are a huge team. So if Rangers can go in and, and pull this off, then... That will be the biggest thing that's happened to Scottish football in, in, in my lifetime, I would say. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Because this tournament sometimes gets put right behind on the back burner. And it's like, well, let's, uh, you know, hold hold off. Because, I mean, Nine-Track Frankfurt took 50,000 people to the new camp. Um 30,000 got in the stadium at least. <laughs> you know, West Ham, great support as well. Uh, Leipzig, Rangers, obviously. Um, it's been fantastic. So both these teams really with Eintracht and Rangers haven't won anything for an awful long time. So it's great to see them. And both of them are so excited and it is their Champions League final. It's an absolutely mm-hmm. amazing achievement. Yeah. It's what you want to see in, isn't it? As well. Like I know Eintracht Frankfurt obviously beat Barcelona, like you mentioned, Craig, but, um, you know, to have two teams there, it's going to mean the world to them if, if they win it and they're going to have, you know, they could fill the stadiums out double with the fans that they're going to, they're going to take to Seville. Um, I think it makes it more special uh, to have someone like that win it, but I still think there's great value in the Europa League. I do think that um, Me too. everyone wants to, wants to get it done in the end, you know, so uh, these two are the, 
the best teams, I always believe, and the teams that are there deserve it. So I, um, I'm hoping that we get a good game, a good final. Obviously, there's, they can be quite tense, but I don't want to see Rangers like, change their tactics, change their plan, and sit back and try and kind of just hopefully squeak the victory. Like, I hope they stay positive and they go for it because um, I think we could have a fantastic game on our hands if they do that. It could be a really special final, but just one last point on the Europa League charms. Like we all take the piss out of it. It's easy to, depending on, you know, where the broadcast rights are and where we are at the moment. We've all taken the piss out of the Europa League at some point. But Stevie made a really good point. And what I've noticed, and like the last few years especially, that they we finally got away from talking about how forever the champion only got 500,000 euros to win this tournament, right? But you look at how much it means to the fans and you think of Villarreal and, and even Manchester United getting to the final when they won it with Jose, like it matters. And Stevie's point about Ibrox, like those Thursday nights, yes, it's not the Champions League, but there's something really special about Thursday nights in grounds like that. I think that's what's made the Europa League you know, more relevant in the last few years and mo- much more special as you know the world's been a mess. If your team's in, uh, playing on Thursday night, it's a special European night. Yeah, and, and just to add to that, Brendan, like the um the atmosphere in that last game against Leipzig, you know, guys I know have went to Ibrox for 10, 20, 40 years and say they've never experienced anything like it. We saw what's all the images of the camera shaking and you know, the, the the atmosphere in there, what it means to people. That's what football's all about. You know, it's to give people the moments of joy within whatever else is going on in their life. And that was a special night. That was pretty, it was up there with the best nights that some of these guys, I think Alan McCoy was commentating, saying that it was the best he had ever seen the atmosphere at Ibrox. Think of some of the nights. These are the Ibrox, Champions League nights, winning leagues, Celtic Rangers games. So it shows you what it what it means and, and the kind of joy a run like this can bring. I can remember Celtic having their run and, Forget the years, maybe 03 or something like that against Porto um, in the final in Seville again, ironically. Um, and what that meant to friends then as well who were travelling to Seville in their masses to enjoy it. So it's it's special. It's times that you can't forget. You go with your son or your daughter or your best mate or your dad or whatever it is. is there's these kind of stories that last a lifetime and hopefully they can really remember it by lifting the trophy at the end of the day. Hey, Stevie, you've lived in Canada for several years now, but uh, I don't know if you knew this, but the National Curling Academy uh, of Scotland is in Stirling. So is there a connection between the Caldwell family and curling? Tell me there is. That would be perfect. There's no. I wish there was. You know, one of you guys need to invite me to to curling. I've never tried it, and I'm really desperate to give it a go. (laughs) Jimmy will invite you. Come come curling. Come curling with me, but wear skinny jeans, okay? Yeah, and, and go commando. We heard the story last week from Jimmy. A traumatizing, traumatizing <laughs> night. We're all, all involved, but anyway. I went curling with skinny jeans and tore the ass out of them. Twice. That doesn't Twice. surprise me. That doesn't surprise no, it doesn't surprise so, me. So on, so on brand, right? Like no one told him what the lunge position was. I didn't think I would get that low. <laughs> I didn't think you'd get in skinny jeans. This was in his playing days. This was 10 years ago. (laughs) That's why he ripped the ass out of him. Hey, hey, Stevie, you know, Scottish football and where it's at, you know, we discussed before briefly, you know, it's been a tough, tough couple of decades. You know, it was once upon a time, growing up in the 80s, it was legitimate. It It was on par with the first division in England, Scotland, you know, Rangers and Celtic. 
there's always that that argument for the old firm. Should they move to England? What would it mean for Scottish football? What would it mean for them? What are your thoughts on that? Is that something they should, they should investigate once again? Uh, yes, I would like to see it happen, Charms. I don't think it ever will. Um, I think there's too much politics that will prevent that from being a reality. I feel like 10, 15 years ago was the time where it was really roaring and if it was ever going to happen, it would have been then. Um, it's unfortunate because we know that they're two massive clubs and if they had the TV money and the the ability to get to the Premier League, they would they would get there and they'd probably stay there for a long time. Um, so it's it's a bit disappointing. But and I know some people say, well, it would destroy Scottish football and it would be never the same again. I'm not so so much a believer in that. I know they bring great revenue to the other teams, but I think that a true competition in Scotland would be quite exciting between Hearts and Hibs and Aberdeen and Dundee United and. Ross County and you know these teams like it would sort of create a, anyone could build up something special and win it uh, atmosphere I feel so I don't see it as being a negative but I, I don't think that it's ever going to happen I just feel that there'll always be that political element that will prevent Celtic Rangers from joining the English Premier League. Yeah, I agree with you, Stevie. I think it's, a, it's a, they're going to protect themselves, uh, you know, and the, the clubs are never going to yeah. vote for that to no. put in two massive clubs that are going to now be competition against them. I just, you're right. I just don't see it happening. I think well, it's right, though, if it did happen because if Celtic and Rangers ended up going into the English Premier League, it would allow the other teams in Scotland an opportunity to have those European nights to actually win a championship because what over the last 20, 30 years, nobody else has won it bar Celtic or Rangers. Mm-hmm. So these teams are just competing, competing for what? And I think if, if they had that opportunity mm-hmm. now where, yeah, we could be going into the Europa, uh, Europa League or we could go into the group stages of Champions League now, the rest of the country's got something to play for. Because if you look at the other teams, you're just competing just to survive in the Premier League, but you're not really winning much, are you? No. No, and I was just going to say maybe... I think there was a time where there was some talk of like a Premier League one and a Premier League two. So if they increased the the number of teams, maybe they would be allowed. I don't know. To to Craig's point, the uh, don't need to name names, but some of the other teams who are in that border and they're, they're just kind of in the Premier League, they probably would have a thing to say or two. I think the Liverpool's, the the Cities, the Chelsea's, Man United's. Arsenal, they would they would welcome it, of course, because it's extra revenue and extra extra buzz. But um, some of the teams that are on that border would be against it, and I don't know if it would work even just for Scottish football point of view as well. I don't know if they would ever allow it or anything. So it's a shame because they can only ever get so so big uh, each of these teams while they're in Scotland and you know things like this is a real anomaly. It's kind of one off. It's special. Um, if they were in the Premier League and they were getting a hundred plus million a year for TV money, these guys could could probably sign some some big players uh, to represent such historic clubs. Yeah, you talk about some of the clubs that would be against it. I think he played for a few of them. But, you know, I bet, I bet Birmingham, Sunderland. You know, teams like that. Yeah. Uh, I think you, you played know. for one of them as well. We probably all played for one of them. You know, in terms of. The ones that are on the border of that championship Premier League, there's no way they want these guys coming along with that that extra support and uh, mm-hmm. the big fan bases. You know, it's 
I, I, I think it would be only a matter of years before they were in the Premier League and fully established and, and probably competing for, I wouldn't, I'll not go as far as the Champions League, but certainly like European places. Yeah, Burnley wouldn't be happy. Speaking of former yeah, clubs, yeah, you've spent obviously some right? time. Oh, yeah, yeah, Burnley, exactly. So I speaking of them. What do you, what do you make of that situation there at Burnley, uh, Stevie? I mean, uh, they're in dire straits. Uh, the Sean Dyche situation was a bit of a surprise, but they they still. But uh, you know, it's a it's it's the smallest town to ever play in the Premier League, about 60,000 people. It's a tiny, but this is uh, always going to be difficult for them at surviving in the Premier League, but they've done it quite brilliantly, really, under Sean Dice for some while. Yeah, they've, they've, been, they've been amazing. You know, I can remember back to when I joined um, and, you know, they were nearly out of the league in the 80s um, and we were in the championship and we were just bubbling along and there was no... No real ambition to get to to the Premier League. It was just like a a pipe dream, you know. And then all of a sudden we got something going. We we did it. We achieved it. Uh, and then it was like we'll enjoy a year and and probably get relegated and be back in the Championship for a long while. But Sean Dyche really changed that. I think the money for that first campaign gave them the the chance to build infrastructure, which helped. Uh, I don't think they went crazy, which maybe was a, at the detriment of my team, but. Ultimately, it was for the betterment of the club to create that stability and to to give them a chance to at some point maybe have sustained success, which dies from. Um, now they're in a position, he's gone. Um, I thought it was a bad choice mid-season. I wasn't necessarily saying it was a terrible choice in terms of the future of the club because I believe, you know, freshening things up every now and again is, is important for anybody, for Sean and for... Burnley Football Club, but at the point that they did it, it seemed utterly crazy. And then the lad Jackson went and won, you know, what was it, three, four games in a row and got them right in that position. The problem was for them to stay up, it seemed like he was going to have to like sustain that, you know. Uh, so it's a tough one. If they go down, there's all this talk about the loans that the new owners took out and they're going to have to pay X amount back and you just worry and wonder if Burnley's the kind of team that would slip back into the championship and never be seen again, which would be so disappointing. They're a club that's uh, that's brilliant, you know, like they're just really special in my heart. They're someone who I think in their own way brings some different aspect to the Premier League. You know, it's a tough place to go, Turf Moor, and they have their real identity. And, you know, while we all want to see this playing out for the back and the lovely football, it's nice to have a contrast. It's nice to have a Burnley and someone who does it different and then, you know, kind of beats the big guys up. So I think there'll be a loss to the Premier League if indeed they go down uh, next weekend. I think, well, if, think I think if you ask every footballer in England, one place they hated to play was <laughs> Turf Moor. <laughs> hey, but Stevie decided to join there himself. He went there voluntarily. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I didn't know what I was joining, Shams, till I turned up <laughs> and I'm driving into town. I'm like, oh, what have I done? <laughs> I'll never forget. Yeah, what was, the, what was the pamphlet they gave you? The pamphlet they gave you must have just been these glorious more pictures. About the money, I think. More about the money, Brendan, that they gave me that made the decision. <laughs> <laughs> and I was driving there and I was thinking, oh, what have I done? Uh, <laughs> I really was, guys. It's, I'm no joking. But it was the best choice of my life. It was like, 
I, it was the best decision I ever made. The people were amazing. The club was special. The group of players, you know, it was just the success that we had. You know, the hairs in the back of my neck are standing up just thinking about it now because it was so special. And um, I'm glad I got to experience that. I'm glad I got to captain that team. And it's it's very unique. It's a great club. Uh, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's quite... I mean, we always knew they were going to be in this position at some point. They just kept surviving in next season and, yeah. and never really spending the cash needed. So it was always going to come. I just hope that they, if they go down, and there's still a big if, then they, they find a way of kind of bouncing back and, and, and hopefully having a chance to, to come back up the very next season. Well, the rumours would have uh, John oh, Herbert you play for take over at Burnley, right? So uh, Stevie, what, what <laughs> we'll see what see happens there, what transpires there the last little while. Um, but Stevie, I mean, you, you know, obviously a proud Scotsman, but you actually played your professional career in English football. You didn't go the, the route that a lot of Scotsmen will go through, through Scotland, and then make your way down a little bit later. What, what was the reason for that? Um, I just fit charms. I had the option, so I was lucky as a kid I could go to... Um, I could go to some different the different places. I was actually at Rangers, so I was um, I was hopeful that you know I would have some options in England, I, I experience a few places. And then I just had this feeling in Newcastle. I don't know. I just loved it. It was glamorous at the time. Jimmy will tell you, and it was a place to be, and the players we were signing. And uh, I went there. I made that choice, and I had a couple of options to come. Uh, to come back to Scotland at a few different parts and just never quite worked out. I was never too too obsessed with like making it happen. I was pretty happy in England. I, I believed the Premier League was the best league and I was always striving to be in the Premier League and I was there you know, two or three different occasions, either jumping up or signing for a Premier League team. So um, that was kind of the way it went. I, I, it probably cost me Scotland caps. I think I would have got more if I played in Scotland in a weird way, but... Uh, because I was in England, I was a little bit forgotten. But yeah, apart from that, I've no regrets. I really enjoyed playing in both the Championship and the, the Premier League. And um, yeah, it would have been nice to have played at Ibrox or Parkhead a couple of times and, and more. I, either of these shots would have been pretty special, but um, it just wasn't to be. You played for like- a lot of clubs in, uh, in England. Uh, what was your favourite one? Oh, what a question. Why are you asking me that? You know, like, <laughs> what ah, a bad media wow. guy question that is. Thanks. <laughs> it, it would have to be Newcastle, no? But the squad that, um, that was there when you were there? Yeah. The, the Newcastle with... one, your first one's always special. So, my, my, uh, my first club was Newcastle and it was very exciting and we were going for Premier League titles and, you know, once I kind of got into the first team and a few of these seasons, we finished uh, fourth, third, and then fifth and three seasons in a row. So we were we were at the top of the Premier League. It was pretty special. Um, but to then have success at Sunderland and to understand what that club was about and to to experience northeast football with the two rivals is just phenomenal so I, I really have strong memories of Sunderland and we've all seen the Netflix documentary and it's just a, another really special club I played six months at Leeds what a club that is one of the loudest stadiums in Britain barely 40,000 but you would think there was like 100,000 there when that place is rocking Dellen Road 
Uh, mm. We've mentioned Burnley, Birmingham. Like we had a Europa League campaign at Birmingham where you know guys are coming up, sixty-year-old guys, fifty-year-old guys, saying this is the most exciting season we've experienced as fans of Birmingham. So um, yeah, really privileged when I think about the, the the sort of historical nature of the clubs and what the clubs mean to their community and the people that live in their town or their city um, was was like not lost on me, you know. So um, it's hard to pinpoint one, but, you know, your first one is special and to be involved in Champions League campaigns and Europa League or UEFA Cup at the time was uh, was pretty phenomenal. And the way that city was bouncing in the, 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 the mid to late 90s was was incredible. I'm glad you still got some strong memories of that because I'm sure you had some great weekends out in Newcastle. Like everyone who's ever been there has a special place. I love it. Yeah, some place. Hey, I wanted to ask you, talking about clubs and to go back to Scottish football, your brother Gary uh, played for Celtic. What was that like for the family when when that move came about for him? It was great. It was a big move for him at the time. Um, Yeah, you you see what goes into being a a Celtic or Rangers player. It's, It's more than just being on the field, the pressure that's associated with that, the scrutiny that you get living in or near one the, the city of Glasgow with one of the teams um, was a real eye-opener. Uh, and he he loved it. He loved playing for Celtic. He loved being a Celtic player, but there's lots of baggage that comes with that. So from my point of view, kind of watching that as his brother, being pretty close with Gary, you know, it's, it, it was always my dream to play for Celtic. And I sort of realised that you know, I was pretty happy in England joining the, the clubs I was playing for. It, it, it took away a little bit of my burning desire to go play for one of the teams because um, there's there's nowhere to hide. <laughs> you can't get away from it any moment of the day. And uh, yeah, the the uh, sectarianism associated with both of the clubs means that it's it's pretty wild. There's some there's some pretty crazy stories when you. You go out and about, and you're at the cinema on a kind of Friday evening before a game on a Saturday, and you're getting kind of abused for the club you play for by normal normal people. I'll say that in a very common as well. It's it's amazing, Stevie. It's amazing the rivalry. You know, my my mother, she's Scots Protestant, supports Rangers. Yeah. My father's Irish Catholic, supports Celtic. So they'd be in the house. My mum, we walking around with her jersey. My father would be having his jersey on. And the names they would call themselves was unbelievable. <laughs> they would absolutely <laughs> abuse each other. And when I was supposed to go over to, to the UK, originally I was supposed to go to Celtic. Oh, now, wow. my dad was over the moon. My mom was furious. <laughs> and, if, and just my luck, Tommy Burns was a manager at the time. He ends up getting fired two weeks before I was supposed to leave. Then I was supposed to go to Stoke. Lou Macari got fired. I end up going to Bristol City. <laughs> so my dreams of going to Celtic got kiboshed all the way down. I ended up at Bristol City. But yeah. going back to it, the, the rivalry and the passion between the two fans is absolutely mental. Now, with the old firm today, is it still as passionate as what it was back in the old days? It's a great question, Jimmy, because I don't know. I, I feel like it's maybe not, but I think it's because I'm um, – 41 instead of kind of 21 when it meant the world to you or even 14 or 15 or whatever. It, it feels like it's a bit less, but I don't think it is. I think it's just the fact that life mellows you a little bit and you're maybe, you know, not in the 
the eye of the storm because um, I still think it means the world to, to people and it's it's everything that they always, you know, they go to work on a, Saturday, a Monday, sorry, and they work a week to get to the game and with that rivalry, like nothing will ever compare to that because of the reasons that, that we've mentioned, the, the, the bad reasons, I guess, but it makes it the it makes it the derby that it is and it's it's incredible. Been to a lot of them. Um watched my brother play and I, you know, a lot of them as well and, and, and sort of have real like skin in the game and emotion involved in it. It's um it's not for the faint hearted. It's it's some game. Um so a little tinge of regret that you never got to play in someone like that, but uh but to experience it yeah. with a family member was special. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, Stevie, you've had some journey, you really have. And and somewhere along the line, you, you've really found the affection of Edmontonians, strangely enough. I'll tell you guys, you, you can't go into a bar with Stevie and Edmonton and not get free beer that's just poured down your throat. It's the best thing ever. So I recommend the opportunity to get the chance to do that. We had a great time in Edmonton, didn't we, Charms? It was uh, one of the most hospitable places I've ever been. Loved it. We never out of the... Was it a local? I can't remember what the bar was called. No. I, I mean, maybe the logo. I can't remember now either. But we we made a point of getting <laughs> out a lot. Because, things, weren't we? Like, hey, yeah. Stevie's here. Come on, <laughs> pour us some beers here. Hey, Stevie, how have you enjoyed your time with the uh, you know Oakville? Uh, you've been there for yeah. what, a year or so, a little bit. Of no, I've been, I've been longer than that, Craig. I've probably been involved for about three or four years now. Right with the Blue Devils. Yeah, just. Really started a while back, um, Duncan Wild, Billy Steele, obviously two guys that, that, that run the the, uh, the program in terms of coaching sense. I got first introduced to them and, and we had a nice lunch. We had a chat about football generally and uh, at the time I was looking to maybe start an academy or get involved. And then what happened was I got passed on to the, um, the CEO of the Blue Devils, a, a guy called Shen Go, because I wanted to be more in the, the operational side um, rather than coaching and uh, I became very good friends with Shane and we had some some similar alignment to what we felt uh, a, a great program could be what we could build it up to and I, th- I think we've been doing a good job of that we've obviously got a long way to go but we want to try and create opportunities and allow players to get to their highest level of the game we have a pathway from Juniors right through to League One Ontario, which is becoming League One Canada, which is exciting. But yeah, Europe and other areas in North America, TFC, whatever, just to provide more pathways for these kids to 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 be their best. So um, yeah, it's going pretty well. I think there'll be some exciting things in the horizon for us as we we try and expand and grow and become more established. Well, Steve, you're a busy man uh, from the. Oakville set up to TSN, you're everywhere basically. But uh, yeah, thanks so much, this mate. Really enjoyed it. We'll, we'll get you back on at some point for sure. I love that, guys. Thanks for the time and uh, speak to you soon. Thanks, Stevie. Cheers, Stevie. Cheers. That's Stephen Caldwell. All right, fellas. Um, that was fun. We're out of time, but we are back as per usual Wednesday night slash Thursday morning. Oh, Wong is raising his finger. Okay, what a surprise. Wong is slithering in for, for a comment. What do you want? I need to make one comment that no one jumped on. We now, as we know, Jimmy Jimmy Brennan, we now know how his parents conceived him. Anger, makeup sex between the Celtic and the Rangers fan, right? Like literally, look at him. Listen to him. He's an angry, mixed up young man still trying to find his way. Yes. Yes. 
That's exactly yeah. what it is. Wonger. Nothing you good can come it. out of that union. Nothing. Yeah. And, this, and Jimmy's proof. This is the analysis that we need, Wonger, that you're, you're looking at yeah. the early child work uh, from conception. Of, of your hosts and, right. uh, and friends on the pod. That's yeah, great. but they're still together as well, and uh, Jimmy's not. Oh, yeah, they hate each other. Yeah. <laughs> they well, know maybe, maybe <laughs> it could be a good segment in the next podcast, boys. How were we oh, all yeah. conceived? I mean, great yeah. conversation. Ooh. Can't wait for that one. Oh, Jesus, yeah. Wonga, God help us. All right, boys and girls, we're out of time. We'll chat later. Bye. Glory Hall. <laughs> <laughs> 